<laughs> warning, Doug Lund is recording this call. How many potential rapes have started with that message coming across their screen? <laughs> <laughs> That's cruel. And funny. <laughs> I am going to go ahead and predict that none of this sees the light of day. We're fucking using this. What are you drinking again, Eric? Bareback Blonde by Four Noses Brewery right here in Colorado. Yeah, what's the IBU on that? 12. (laughs) I was close. You were close, and at 6.3 alcohol per volume. That's a healthy ABV. It's not bad. It's my go-to drinking beer. It'll get you drunk! What are you drinking, Doug? I've never seen this one before. It says ball on it, but I think... Lots of beers say ball on it. Do they make metal or do they make cans? Or what the fuck does ball do? Don't they make jars? Ball jars? I don't know. I don't either. But this is the Perrin Brewing Company. I'd never seen it before, but I like the name because it's a 98 Problems IPA. That's a 6.5 ABV. It's not bad. I wouldn't say there's anything special about it, but that's not terrible. I just realized it's from Michigan because that's what it says on the can. We are not there yet. We have not evolved. We have no respect. We have lost control. We're going backwards. This is Project Challenged with your hosts, Doug Lund, fisting the Iron D into Challenged. And Eric G. Oldman Hollis. This week we're getting back to our typical format. Uh, we got a lot of pop culture and entertainment news. And then a game, a project challenge to close things out. We'll see how that goes. We're going to start with the least savory topic tonight. Something that I'd actually been looking forward to for quite some time and was ultimately pretty fucking disappointed. And that is the new Depeche Mode album, Spirit. That dropped this week. Uh, I think their last album was four-ish years ago. That was Delta Machine in 2013. That was a great album. Spirit is not. I wasn't aware that Depeche Mode was still even making music. Had they just been completely off the radar? I don't know. I mean, this kind of fits their schedule of an album every three, four, five years. Uh, They haven't stopped making new music, um, but apparently they've stopped making good music. I made it seven or eight tracks in, but unless the second half of the album was fucking spectacular, it is not worth listening to. What are they going to do when you don't buy their next album? How are they going to pay their bills? They should just retire now because... You've got to be the only one supporting them. (laughs) And who buys albums anymore? I mean, right? Everyone's getting paid off of fractions of cents. Maybe they can get on as the opener of the Pet Shop Boys tour. That'd be a good fit for them. I should call them up. They probably need some help. But I know you used to be a big fan of them. I haven't heard you talk much about Depeche Mode recently. Is it still the kind of electronica? Do they still sound the same or have they gone a different direction? Well, for a while, they had kind of pushed the electronic part to the background and gone with more of like a blues-type sound. They've got two really strong vocalists, and you can do some interesting things when you have that. And Martin Gore's a fantastic songwriter and can put some really neat arrangements together. Uh, I'm wondering if they just handcuffed him for this album and didn't let him do shit, because there are so few examples of good music making in this and and composition and, and good beats, good melodies. They show up every once in a while. But it all gets lost in this 
hyper fucking political message that's clearly aimed at the United States and all of the admittedly crazy fucking horseshit situation that we're living in. But the tracks are, are literally like, when's the revolution and rise the fuck up and Trump's a fucking cockbiter. There's no subtlety to it whatsoever. It's just blatant, overt. And bands have done good political albums before. You're going to give me a couple examples because this is your strength. The first band that comes to mind for me, probably not for everyone else, is, I mean, Midnight Oil was always great songs, but always had a message. Or I guess it was less political and more environmental. I'm actually surprised that you didn't make it through the whole album. Like, not even one playthrough? I didn't. It turned me off. I forced myself to get as far as I did. And I hate things less the second time almost every time. I will go back and listen to the whole thing and determine if there's anything actually worth listening to in there. But usually there's one song that will grab you. Okay, well, at least there's this diamond and this pile of shit, but I haven't got to it yet. You have the new Cody Crump. Should be rocking out to that, man. And that's kind of maybe a little bit in the spirit of Depeche Mode. A little bit, yeah. I can tell you that I can listen to a Cody Crump album and not hate my fucking life or wonder what the fuck happened to the band and why they thought it would be a good idea to put an album out. Not with this message, because it's a message that needs to be repeated until it sinks in in the right places, but if you're going to make a statement like this, make it worth fucking listening to it and not something that makes people want to change the station. Sometimes it needs to be repeated until it sinks in in the right places, Doug. I kind of live my life like that. (laughs) Did I make an inadvertent sexual joke? I'm going to go with what I can get. You put four sentences together, so we're on the right track tonight. Yeah, improving. I'll get there. Let's talk about a pretty good album that came out last weekend in the midst of you and I hanging out at KoboldCon, which was awesome. I hope we get asked back next year. I had a lot of fun. We don't even have to get into that, but we got to sit down and play Sean Patrick Fannin's brand new tabletop RPG, not even out yet in the public, Freedom Squadron. And it was a blast. Uh, I assume you had fun, Doug, right? Absolutely. And who knows which episode will air first, this one or the one where we actually get to talk about that game. But in the event that it's this one, it's something that I think anyone who's into any kind of tabletop or role-playing game is going to be interested in, especially if you're a fan of G.I. Joe, because not only was it really fucking fun and engaging, but the theme and the storytelling being in that Joe-esque universe was something I think that took it to a, a next level of appreciation for both of us. I completely agree with you. And Sean, as a dungeon master, I guess I should say a game master, is so generous and so kind to us and so willing to kind of walk us along the path, let us explore when we wanted to, and then kind of pull us back when he needed to. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun the whole weekend. But hey, you know, that stuff's recorded and you can either listen to it on BitFaced or, of course, here on PC. The Shins came out with a new album this past weekend on Friday before the con, Heartworms. I'm a big fan of the Shins from about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I've always liked their sound. I've seen them live a couple of times. This album, I wouldn't say it's a departure. It still sounds like the Shins. But if you're a fan of the Shins, highly recommend that you pick up Heartworms, give it a listen. Hell, does anybody buy albums anymore or does everybody just stream music like I do? There's got to be some people out there because they still keep track of things like when an album goes gold or platinum. And that's based on total album sales, isn't it? It is based on total album sales. I'm sure they have metrics now, though, that determine downloads. If someone like myself, I used to spend 30, 40 bucks a month on music. Now I can spend $9.99 a month and get so much more. Why wouldn't everyone make that jump? Or am I just being naive? 
I think the part that some people don't appreciate is that you still don't have a truly portable experience unless you're really diligent about downloading the songs to your device. Because if you end up in an area that has no Wi-Fi or uh, even worse, no cellular service, you ain't got shit. Okay. In that situation, maybe not so good. Where do I ever go, though, where there's no Wi-Fi, number one? Number two, I mean, just financially speaking, it's every album for the same price as one album. Even if you bought albums, why wouldn't you still subscribe to something like Apple Music or Spotify? For all the albums that you didn't buy. And that's a good question. I think one scenario I always find myself in is when I road trip, and I know you don't do this as much as I do, but when I'm on the road out in the middle of fucking nowhere, again, you're left at the mercy of whatever you've thought ahead to download to your device. That's all you got. You know, Just like the good old days, whatever you brought with you is what you're listening to. I would say on occasion, there are circumstances where I will pay for an album, but it's usually because there's something physical that comes with it or there's a particular artist that I want to support. I suppose you probably do the same thing. What format do you buy it on? At this point in my life, I can see buying records, and I don't own many of them, probably four. I don't think I'll ever buy a CD again. To me, it I mean, it was a very attractive format fifth grade through high school. I don't see them as collectible like I used to now, but I still can't muster up the balls to sell all of them. But if I'm going to buy something now, I think I would buy a record. I think I'd have to buy an album that's start to finish good, not a bad track. An LP is a great format because not only I'm not going to get into the audio file side of it because I will admit I can tell a difference, but I don't think it's substantial enough that I think I should invest thousands of dollars to build out a vinyl collection. But just the size of the artwork on the album, I think, makes it an attractive thing because then it becomes something that you can display and collect and actually see it. That's the thing that sucked about CDs is they basically took the same shape of an album and they shrunk it down so that all that great artwork that you used to be able to enjoy in like a 12 by 12 12-ish type size. Shrunk down to 5 by 5 doesn't work as well. And they put the label on the spine. So your CDs would always be displayed same manner that tapes were, just the title. And eventually they got creative, but I mean, you remember the old white, red appetite for destruction. You know, every tape kind of looked the same, so it did. It took that nice, beautiful canvas that was the album cover and completely shrunk it now. And I guess these come with records too, but the liner notes and stuff got a lot beefier in the age of the CD. And you would get a patch or a poster that was folded up in there or something. I can't go back, man. In fact, I even like the fact that with my obsessive compulsive ass, it picks playlists for me. Hey, Eric, this is what you're listening to today. Alternative hits from 1996. You know what? Sweet. That way I don't have to rack my brain over what I want to hear. I don't see myself going back. I don't see myself going back to physical video games either. I've come too far, Doug. Unless there's some giant shit. That's newer. Yeah. Like you said, something extra or a game I would want to play and also display. It's difficult to predict what's going to come next, but I can't foresee the paradigm or the technology shifting that dramatically where it's still not some kind of subscription, all-you-can-consume service. I do appreciate some of the things that, to use my favorite artist as an example, Trent Reznor, will do when he puts out a new album. And he's been self-producing for a long time and self-distributing, it, as a matter of fact. But he'll take all of his songs and then include a FLAC copy, too, if you're familiar with that format. I am. Yeah, so a lossless copy that's much bigger but much better quality. And they'll also include like some high-res artwork and then throw in some digital freebies that you just won't get on the iTunes store. But if you just wanted to listen to the music, you could do that in all the streaming services too. I like that. 
artists got to find a way to still make money because I can't imagine they get rich just on streams. No, I think we talked about this at breakfast this past weekend, but they definitely don't get rich on streams touring live tickets. So let me ask you this. Where do you get your music news from? I think that's part of the experience that I miss. And this is more media than it is the actual format. But it used to be that we knew we were getting a new album at some point. So you'd look forward to that release. And now I just kind of wait for shit to show up. I really even had no idea that Depeche Mode's album was going to be out soon um, until maybe a week before it actually dropped. How do you find news on new music? AV Club has an article of what's coming out that month, and I read that. And I completely disagree with all of their music editors about everything, but they normally have a good handle on what's going to be released. And shit, now in my old age, man, I might listen to one new album a month, maybe. It's funny, because up until Apple Music came out, I didn't like Spotify, so I hadn't used a streaming service up till that point. And I had signed up for a website called hasitleaked.com. You would tell it, I like these artists, or I'm looking forward to this album, and then it, <laughs> it would send you an email when it had leaked, which was usually three, sometimes four weeks before it actually hit the shelves. No, I remember you used to have music way quicker than I did. In fact, I know you've sent me a couple albums early, which I truly appreciated, you don't get into the tunes as much anymore. In fact, I know I brought you the new Dino Jr. and I brought you Tribe. And I'm pretty sure there's probably a third one. I think you get most of your music now and it's sad from me. The sad part is that I'm not out there looking for this stuff myself. But I think that's because I'm confident that Apple Music will remind me that, hey, Doug, there's this new thing out that you need to check out. But clearly it whiffs on some stuff like that Tribe album is a fantastic example. And I think my priorities shift a little bit. Because you'll notice that the time that I kind of fell off on music is the time that I really kind of got back into gaming. And I know I'm still not at your level, but I'm playing more now than I have in the past 20 years. And I like that. Speaking of playing, have you managed to make your way out of Hyrule yet into some other form of video game entertainment? The only thing I've played since Zelda, and I still have not finished Zelda, has been Lego World which is essentially Minecraft in the LEGO universe. And they did a really good job with it. It's getting, not shit on, it's getting pretty good reviews, but a lot of people complain about the interface and stuff, and that's where you lose me altogether. I really don't want to build. I just kind of wanted to play a LEGO game and explore with it. And it's fun in that aspect. I don't see myself playing it long term, but if you're a fan of the LEGO franchise, if you like the other LEGO video games, or if you just like building LEGOs, I think it's um I mean it's a must buy. It's only forty bucks. Definitely get into that. Mass Effect Andromeda came out today and I haven't played it yet, but man, it is not getting Mass Effect esque reviews. I think IGN gave it a seven point eight or seven point nine, and a lot of people are complaining about clunky gameplay. I haven't picked it up yet, so I can't judge. I'm actually waiting to talk to one of my one of my good buddies, Jubaka, about it when he gets through with it. Other than that, though, no, I've been in Hyrule, Doug. Hyrule, I've played a little Nio. You know me, man. I'm playing Pac-Man, Xenosquad, arcade games and stuff. But besides LEGO Worlds, nothing really new. I got a couple of questions for you. Let's start with LEGO Worlds. You compared it to Minecraft. and Is that because it's a blank slate where you're given a couple of tools and you can basically engineer whatever the fuck you want to do? Like that, kind of, where you can build anything, you can tear anything down. But in this game, you can go to randomly generated planets, and they have randomly generated biomes and quests and NPCs, and it infinitely spawns all this stuff. So it gives you kind of a world to play with. It might be in the Lego Western theme, the Lego City theme, the Lego Medieval theme. 
And when you capture pieces, here's the brilliant part of the game. I'm going to go on a tangent here, but you have this item. It looks like a Ghostbusters gun and anything in the world you can zap. And when you zap it, you can use it. So you have access to it. So you want to go through the single player parts of the game to get access to the pieces to build your own shit. It's a pretty fucking ingenious concept. If you ask me, it takes the Minecraft model, but turns it into Lego. Sounds like Little Big Planet as well, with having to go through a single player campaign to collect things that then you would later use to create a new space. That's a good comparison. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, that's exactly how Little Big Planet works. So I think you answered one of my questions when you said uh, finishing the single player mode. That implies that Lego Worlds has a multiplayer part as well. You can actually, for the first time in a Lego game, play multiplayer online. You can play multiplayer with your friends. You can bring your creations into their world. You have the ability, and I don't think you have this in Minecraft, where you can completely scan over something and copy it. So if you make a really cool building, like let's say one parapet of a castle, you can make four of them and then kind of build the castle together. So I think it's pretty intuitive. If I was eight years old, man, Jesus, it would be the shit. I just can't get into the world building nowadays. That takes a lot of time and effort for something that probably really goes underappreciated. But if I had that game, that means that we could jump into each other's world and, and check out each other's creations. And when you build something, does it add some kind of mechanic to it where you can use it to do something? Like if I built a car, can I get in the fucking car and drive around? There are vehicles in the world you can drive, shit you can fly around on, boats you can use. You can find different NPCs and scan them and then use their character parts to make your own character. But you don't know if you could build something that you could then pilot or drive. That I'm not sure about. I'm sorry. I'm probably about two and a half hours into the game, if that. That'd be really cool if they could work that feature in, because that would mean that their engine is smart enough to say, oh, you built a vehicle, so I'm going to let you drive it. The last thing that I saw before I left your house over the weekend was that Tyler had downloaded Blaster Master. Log any time on that title yet? No, actually, I haven't played at all. Tyler is getting pretty into it, though. I got to see a little bit of it. I will get some time logged. In fact, I might play tonight since the Switch is free. But no, Tyler's been enjoying it. It looks awesome. It looks identical to the original version. The Music Man is enough to bring me to Goosebumps. So I'm going to be down with it. And honestly, it's exactly the shit I think Nintendo needs to be fucking doing. Because it's a NES exclusive. I was so pissed when I found out I couldn't get it on PS4 and on the One. No, I have to buy a Switch if I want to play that. That's exactly what Nintendo needs to fucking do. And that makes a, a kind of sense. I wonder, though, how much did he pay for that title? I think 10 I think it was nine ninety. Yeah, it was nine ninety nine because I okay. offered to buy part of his breakfast. Okay, so that is a reasonable price to charge for a literal bit-for-bit remake of uh, is an 80s or a 90s title. It's an 80s title, and I don't think it's bit for bit. I don't think the levels are the same, and I think the weapons are different. Oh, really? Well, after you left, I came back after a uh, much-needed walk and saw some of Tyler's guns and shit, and they definitely look different than what I was used to in the original Blaster Master. Ah, okay. Well, then that kind of obviates my next point, which was uh, it says a lot when you can take a game that's that old and remake it exactly and remarket it and still expect people to buy it that means the original game was pretty fucking special i think so but how much of that appeal is nostalgia and how much of it is quality game and i think if you can balance both that's the key to having a great retro remake title i think that the fact that a 26 year old is playing the shit out of the game means it's more than just nostalgia because he never played the original 
He's probably heard of the original from me, but definitely didn't play it. He has beat Ganon, though. There's 14 years of age I'd have back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything interesting news-wise or anything that's on your radar for the next couple weeks in the world of gaming? No, Injustice comes out a couple weeks after I get back. Dark Souls DLC also comes out when I'm in fucking New Orleans. I'll have played it by the time we record next, not this weekend, but after that. The reason it made it onto the agenda tonight is because the boys were talking at dinner about how they are actually avoiding all spoilers for that content. Is this going to be a pretty big patch, if you will? It's big because, and I think they're going to completely go back on this, because games are like comic books, nothing ever stays dead. This is supposedly the last bit of Dark Souls content we're going to ever get. This is it. Dark Souls 3 was the last game in the series. This is supposedly the last DLC. And I'm proud of the boys because they spoiled the shit out of everything. They knew Han Solo was going to die before Han Solo fucking died. So I'm glad they're laying off of it because I give your boys shit all the time about, the fuck did you already watch that, dude? It came out today. Why don't you go play it? You own it. (laughs) Why don't you go play it? I'm obviously going to play the shit out of it, dude. There's, it's no secret to BitFaced or this podcast, my fandom for the Dark Souls series. It brought me not necessarily back into gaming, but it definitely refreshed the way I look at games and the way I, I see games and the way I play games. And I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be in New Orleans partying that weekend. Poor me. But I'll get back that Tuesday and get to give it a test run. So no planned additional DLC after this expansion. This is it. This is it for Dark Souls 3. Possibly the series, but with that name and the amount of critical acclaim the series has garnered, which I think has translated into sales. I mean, shit, they said Halo was done. They made another fucking Halo. They said Gears of War was done. They made another fucking Gears of War. I hope the series lays to rest and it's something that I can remember. But man, even Pitfall Harry came back. If it's a good property and it's something that they can mine, they're going to do it. This studio, do you think they have the resolve to let a property that has been as popular and as successful as Dark Souls go? I think they do. I think someone else ends up buying the name. They've already said they're working on a game that is completely unlike Dark Souls. They got something in the works. And as artists, you assume that they always want to be doing different things because they tend to grow tired of doing the same thing over and over, much more so than the consumers do. I mean, isn't that what happened with Halo 3? There was a different studio that picked it up and made everything after the third title? At the end of the day, I'm pretty sure Bungie sold the property to Microsoft to 343 Studios is what happened. And we've already got shit in multiple spinoff games and definitely Halo 4 and Halo 5 and assume Halo 6 in the pipe. Was there a Halo 5? Yeah, right? There was a Halo 5, yes. I mean, that's how much I care about it anymore. It's just sequel upon sequel. I'd like to see Dark Souls... Remain dormant for at least a little while. Such a good series. If you want to play Dark Souls, oh my god, you have so much Dark Souls to play. And then you have games like Nioh and Bloodborne, which was the same studio, coming out that really take the Dark Souls style. Even Breath of the Wild took a little influence from Souls. I mean, the presence of Souls is going to be felt in the the gaming world for the next 10, 20 years. I think I've said that on Project Challenge before, but I'll say it again. I'm excited for this DLC It'll be the last DLC. One thing I wasn't excited about is the 70% of the Iron Fist episode I watched before I passed out. And I'm going to echo a lot of people writing about it online. The main character has zero appeal as an actor or by the way he plays Iron Fist. And you're supposed to be the best martial artist in the world. 
and it doesn't look like you could perform a fight scene. Just my opinion, Doug, but I'm going to let you take off on a rant here. I don't know that I can disagree with you. I think when I saw Finn Jones was cast as Iron Fist, I thought they had got the aesthetic right. And it's interesting that we didn't get a lot of the hype leading up to this release as we did with some of the others, Luke Cage in particular. But I watched 100% of the episode, and I wouldn't say I'm 100% disappointed, but coming on the heels of Luke Cage and the second season of Daredevil, Jesus Christ, did they slip. This is probably the biggest and most obvious misstep that Marvel has made in their cinematic universe to date. The guy doesn't look like he can fight. He looks like the guy that gets beat up. <laughs> I, really, and I have a problem with that. And I was in no shape to judge the episode. I remember the beginning of it, but I was floating in and out. It was a good day. Do I see myself going back and watching that episode again and episode two and episode three when I've got something like Legion? I don't, man. And I know you say, Eric, we have to watch it. The Defenders, you have to know what happens. You know what, Doug? I, I've skipped crossover issues and comic books. I think I might skip Iron Fist. I'm a completionist, so I'm absolutely going to finish the season. And that's what it's important to acknowledge is that we've only seen the first episode, although I heard what you said earlier in that the reviews have largely been negative for the season as a whole. I intend to watch it. I don't anticipate that you know the rest of it's going to be any better. If it doesn't get any worse, I can tolerate it. I do I have it to... gets better. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> did, you, did you read how long we have to wait until it gets better? <laughs> No, I was planning on you telling me that. I'm going to wait until Nikki I'm going to wait for you to be like, Eric, just watch Seven and go from there and you'll be fine. And I'll heed that as uh, as scripture, brother. I think I've been pretty spot on. I thought I was on the mark with Luke Cage in terms of the episodes which really hit and the ones which didn't. I don't want to spoil anything for you. But you have to think also that there's going to be a lot of setup for Defenders. That it's not just going to be Iron Fist and then in the last episode we get some action I have a feeling this storyline is going to lead directly into what brings all four of these heroes together. I hope so. And if there's a little bit of that, maybe you will get me to watch it or at least the clips where that happens. I don't understand why everyone's so up in arms about the they call the whitewashing of the show, because in the Iron Fist comic, Danny's white. It's one of the times they didn't go away from the comic is everyone pissed that he's not Asian. And I'm fully in support of them doing it with an Asian actor. Jesus Christ. So I could at least get a half decent fight scene. <laughs> well, Finn Jones has never beat anybody's ass in his entire life. That's all acting. I think that is one of the common criticisms, too, is that you don't get these nice, fluid fight scenes like we saw. Was it the first or second episode of Daredevil Season 2 in the hallway where he's just knocking the shit out of everyone? Such a good fucking scene. I think that might be Episode 3. Is it 2? It's definitely early because as right. soon as it happens, you're like, holy shit. And maybe it's the fault of the director. But I think an actor sells a lot of a fight sequence. He definitely doesn't look like he spent as much time learning fighting skills or really just making acting look like fighting. Say what you will about Keanu Reeves. That motherfucker spent a lot of fucking time in the gym and with martial arts masters. He may not be able to act his way out of a bag, but when that motherfucker throws down on the screen, a la The Matrix and John Wick, you believe that shit. I do, and I've ragged on Keanu as an actor in the past. I've never ragged on Keanu as an action star or time traveler, but definitely not action star. 
I mean, you've seen that clip everyone's seen online of Keanu at the shooting range just totally ripping shit up. Right. He's not bullshit. And maybe Finn Jones didn't do the work. Maybe whoever's directing Iron Fist can't sell it as well as they do Daredevil because the fight scene you referenced in Daredevil, oh my god. I mean, that was like Chanwick Park good. It was really shot well. I didn't see that in the 70% because I passed out episode of Iron Fist at all. (laughs) And... Whereas the lightning in Iron Fist was pleasant, it was off. But maybe they did that on purpose because we're not in Hell's Kitchen. We're not in Harlem. Well, I'll reserve judgment for now. Sentiment right now is definitely lukewarm. Tepid fist. Tepid fist. (laughs) That that has to stay in. (laughs) You're, You're the editor, man. But luckily... We have some other action on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but I have a feeling it's going to be much more rewarding. Dave Chappelle is back. That dropped today, right? It did, yeah. I thought I read that we were getting two specials. Maybe they're... We are. Okay, so we're just getting the first one today. They're not doing the typical Netflix thing and throwing everything at you at once. You know, I didn't read whether they were coming out together or not. I would assume, like you did, that they were. But maybe it's kind of like the Adam Sandler movie deal. We're getting a movie every three months, except this will actually be really funny and good. Yeah, the the title, I I looked it up before uh, we started recording tonight, is Collection One, Episode One, The Age of Spin. First of all, I was a little disappointed that they didn't call it Black is the New Black. But Collection One, Episode One seems to imply that we're getting multiple episodes in multiple collections. So are we enjoying the Chappelle Renaissance now? You know what? I hope so. And I don't know what happened to Dave. I heard it was Warcraft. I heard it was fame. I heard it was a lot of things that made him kind of drop out of the spotlight. But as far as a stand-up, I hope not. But as far as uh, an observational comedian and just a funny motherfucker, Dave Chappelle, I might have to actually watch that tonight now that you told me it was out. I'm excited. Dave's great. Dave's one of the few comedians I'll watch. Pretty fucking gifted. I got pretty excited when he hosted Saturday Night Live recently. And it wasn't just because he did an amazing Walking Dead parody, but he brought every one of my favorite characters from the Chappelle show into that skit and just fucking killed it. Chappelle show only ran two years, right? There is uh, the first three episodes of season three that they eventually released. Never showed on Comedy Central, but they had three episodes in the can essentially when he walked away from the project that they were able to release at at some point. Um, I don't know that I've ever actually seen those, though. I don't think I have either, but the first two seasons of Chappelle show, just amazing writing. I know he doesn't do it all himself, but some of those skits are legendary. I don't think you get that on TV anymore. And maybe I'm just old and I'm not watching whoever the next Jabe Chappelle is. But that was a special show. It was. I won't say that I haven't laughed that hard since that show went off the air. But I'm certain I don't laugh as hard every fucking week as I used to with each new episode of the Chappelle show. When we lost that show, it it was fucking tragic just for a lot of reasons, for how well he was doing, for really some of the ideas and, you know, the racist bullshit that he was challenging, which I think is actually part of what led him to leave. It felt like uh, I lost someone. It it felt like theft. Same time Chappelle show was on the air, there was also on Comedy Central, it actually used to lead into it, Colin Quinn had a show called Tough Crowd, and that's where I know of the late, great Greg Giraldo from my first introduction to both of those comedians. Chappelle was from Mel Brooks. But yeah, that same time period, Jim Norton, Giraldo, Chappelle, Patrice O'Neill, those were the guys that were making me laugh. 
my top three favorite stand-ups are all dead. I think my top five favorite stand-ups are probably all dead. Did you just like, condemn Louis C.K. to death? He's got to crack your top five. He'd probably be five. It's close. I know people criticize that Geraldo makes my top five, but whatever. He struck a special nerve with me. He's a funny motherfucker. He tells jokes that I appreciate, and I can kind of look into the way he wrote them sometimes and learn a little bit. And Greg died way before his time. The fact that he only has two comedy albums to his name makes me very sad. Louis phenomenal, dude. I would never say anything poor about Louis. Louis does an album a fucking year, dude. That's unheard of. Nobody does that anymore. And not only drop a new special every year, but they're fucking amazing. All new content and unparalleled right now. I mean, who else is working right now that, that's doing stuff that's as consistently as funny as Louis C.K.? You know, I read a, an article recently by uh, Nick Nunziata, used to write for Chud.com. And he made a very good case uh, that now is the best stand-up has ever been. And what did he base that on? The comedians working today, and he had a giant list of them. And when I read through them, he kind of had me on his side. Bill Burr is one he mentioned heavily. Uh, Jaselnik, of course, Louis C.K. Lots of comedians. In fact, you know, we'll bring this back to another episode, and maybe we should talk about this. But uh, he had me kind of convinced that maybe we are living in the best times for stand-up right now. And I will say... The Trump presidency is only going to make things better as far as comedy is concerned, right? Isn't that misery just fucking – it breeds comedy, doesn't it? <laughs> God, I hope so because that may be the only way that we get through the next 3.8 years. Well, it's making me kind of want to pay attention to more comedy now. I don't listen to a lot of comedy for multiple reasons only because I kind of like to come up with my own shit, but – we might be in a comedy renaissance, or maybe it's just a comedy renaissance for the kids growing up today. I mean, CK has to be their Carlin, right? I talk to a lot of people in the millennial generation that don't appreciate Carlin. They always tell me the same thing. They say he's smart, but he's not funny. And I completely fucking disagree with that. Carlin was funny as fuck. He was smart as fuck, too. And he was, and maybe that overshadows his delivery. But dude, his sets and his jokes were planned out to the syllable. That's a comedian, in my opinion. And, and there's a lot to be said for improv. But when you're up there doing a stand-up set, I think it needs to be polished. And I think Carlin was a prime example of that. I didn't see stand-up comedy on your uh, your list tonight. Is it okay we're going off book? It's always good that we go off book. I was actually letting you talk there because I was waiting for something I could use as a decent transition into the next segment and catch up on what people are stealing these days. You wouldn't steal a handbag. You wouldn't steal a car. Downloading films is stealing. The number one movie isn't a shocker. Doesn't that come out on Blu-ray next week? Yeah, and that must be why it's number one. Uh, You'll notice in this list it tells you if something is a cam or if it's an HD rip. The fact that it doesn't have anything parentheses after it means that someone's already got a copy of the 1080p source, which is a Blu-ray. So it's available out there to steal right now, folks. If the FBI is listening, fuck you. You know, the only thing would make me not want to watch Rogue One is if I get my copy of Strip Club Massacre in the mail before Friday. What the fuck is this movie at number two? XXX, Return of Xander Cage. The new Triple X movie, dude, with Vin Diesel. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than the way I said it. What did you think it was? I thought it was XXX, Return of Xander Cage. <laughs> I think we talked about this, but you never have seen any of the Triple X movies, and neither have I. 
I thought I had seen the first one, but is that why it's called Triple X? It's because his name starts with X? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's fucking stupid. Says the guy that watched the first movie. I skipped that one. You watched the Cube? He was the one that was in the sequel, right? Cube was in the sequel, and it looked like Cube, uh, based on the trailers, appears in this one. Oh, so we're getting X, X, X. I think uh, Cube X. just shows up with like a rocket launcher and saves his ass, and Cube's like, you know. Yeah, motherfucker! Or whatever. You know, he's like the dude in Billy Madison. Like, he looks at him like, you know, fucking, uh, gives him the I'm glad I called that guy, you know. <laughs> you know what's really sad about number three, Assassin's Creed, is I didn't even realize that movie had been out in the theaters yet. I thought it was still <laughs> waiting to be released, but apparently it's... Uh... It came out over uh, over Christmas. Ah, okay. I take it you didn't see that one. I did not. Did Fassbender make a shitty movie? I don't know if it's shitty. Jacob, my 12-year-old nephew, said it was awesome. He actually got to see that one. Heather took him, yeah. Right on. Does he play the games? Oh, he loves the games. What the fuck is Patriot's Day? Haven't we talked about this? Isn't that Marky Mark in the Boston Marathon or some shit? (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, A forgettable title. I don't know if it's a forgettable movie or not, but I'm not even going to speculate on why they called it Patriot's Day, but it doesn't stick in my brain for some reason. Well, it's about Boston, and like that's their favorite team. They would not just fucking named it that after the football team. You know what? I don't put anything past anybody anymore. Maybe they did. The next movie on the list was one of the biggest bombs so far in 2017, I'm pretty sure. I knew within five seconds of the trailer that I would never pay money to see that movie. Because it was Matt Damon? Didn't Tom Cruise already do that? Like, wasn't he already the the white Asian? Why is Matt Damon trying to walk in those footsteps? I don't know. I really liked The Last Samurai. I thought that was a great movie. I can't fathom why Matt Damon chose to be associated with a project about the reason they built the wall is because there's monsters out there. And first, we're going to build a wall to keep them out. And then when that doesn't work, we're going to bring a white boy into Kung Fu fight him. I still have no desire to see the film, even though I heard it wasn't horrible. I do remember that we've talked about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So that's at number six. No need to cover that one. Passengers is one that I've downloaded, but haven't been able to bring myself the watch yet. I'm actually surprised that IMDb rated it as high as a 7.1, because I want to say it's like 20-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think we talked about this on the first episode ever of PC. Svelte, that way I'm not selling him out, got to see it way early. He texted me in like June and had already seen it and told me it was a giant pile of shit. So I have no desire to watch it. Yeah, just because it's got J-Law and... Chris Pratt. Why was I going to say Chris Pine? (laughs) Because he's Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk and fucking Star-Lord. It's easy to mix those two up. I mean, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt. Logan, checking in at number eight. I have to assume that's just because it's a shitty HD cam and that we can expect that one to make its way up the ranks, and it probably just became available recently. I might go see that in the theater again. What the fuck is why him? That's, uh... James Franco and Brian Cranston... Where James Franco becomes his uh, his son-in-law. Ah. Basically a remake of the Polly Shore classic, Son-in-Law. Great flick. Probably not a great flick. <laughs> you, you might say so. I like um, that movie. I always had a, a soft spot in my heart for Polly Shore. So wait a minute. You have a soft spot in your heart for Polly Shore, and you don't like... going. And you don't like Rodney Dangerfield. And I'm speaking strictly on the comedic spectrum. You're going to have to come up with another individual that's on my long list of people that I hate. Because I get Rodney Dangerfield thrown in my face a lot. 
And admittedly, it makes me want to dig my heels in a little bit. I just, I never got his style of comedy. And it could be just that I couldn't get past his fucking face. But you probably get Pauly Shore's style of comedy, right? It's not great. The reason I appreciate him is because I do have a soft spot. It's a weakness. It's an admitted why, fault. Why are you wheezing on my gig, Cruster? Or whatever the fuck he used to say. <laughs> Whatever you said was probably funnier than whatever he used to say. <laughs> I can't explain it. I Just like I can't explain why I hate Rodney Dangerfield. I just don't like it. And I did now, do like Polly Shore. Do you hate Rodney Dangerfield in stand-up? Or do you hate him – like do you hate him in Caddyshack? I tolerate him in Caddyshack because I appreciate almost every other part of that movie. It's in spite of. It's not because of. I don't know. Again, it's difficult to articulate. It's, you know, just like anything with a preference. I can't tell you why I have that preference. It just is. Anyway, that was why him. And then I have not seen number 10 yet, even though you told me I would really like it. Yeah. And we might have to put that one on the list of viewing if there's nothing else that's available for us to watch this weekend. It's a really good movie. You probably heard it described this way, but it really gets you to thinking not just about how there are many different ways to tell a good sci-fi alien flick these days, but really about the message that the movie conveys. And I won't spoil anything for you, but the premise of the movie and the ending it sticks with you long after the movie is over and leaves you contemplating possibilities. Well, I definitely need to watch it then. Indeed. We ready to close this out? Are we going to try to play a game tonight? This is part Project Challenge and part App Review because we're going to try the Adult Mad Libs app to see just how fucking funny this can be. So I'm going to lead you through this and you remember how this works, right? Yeah, you read different parts of language and I have to give you a word. You want to see something awesome? Yes. I can't read it. What's it say? Oh, it's, it's from your <laughs> wife, and it says, you're being so patient with him right now. You're a fucking badass. How can I not be on top of the world when I get a message like that from Nikki? <laughs> right? Bitch. <laughs> I'm texting her back. I love you. Okay, so, yeah, hang on. Let me get this Mad Libs app. I almost had it, dude, but you were like, wait, there's in-app purchases? And I fucking immediately backed out. There are in-app purchases, and there's a couple of free ones that we can run through. So if this is any good, I don't have any problem paying for a content because having it on our phone while we're doing the podcast, that's the best way to do it. It's just called Mad Libs, right? This one's called Adult Mad Libs. There is one that's called Mad Libs, but I figured this one might be more fun because it's raunchier. Hang on, it's downloading. Warm it up, Chris. I'm about to. Don't miss the bus. (laughs) That's what I was born to do. This is either going to be great or it's going to be shitty. I'm already thinking the latter, but let's do it. All right. We're going to start with an adjective. Mingin. No no G on the end of that one, right? (laughs) Maybe not. Plural noun. Chumps. I could not have predicted you were going to say that. Verb. Shit. Need a noun. President Donald Trump. Does that work? Yeah, it just takes me a while to type. That's okay. Adjective. Lengthy. Number. 37. Adjective. Rank. Another plural noun. Rapists. The rapist. Adjective. <laughs> Fuck. Um. Right? <laughs> what? I was agreeing with you. It's already getting a little trying. Pink. Pink is an adjective. Another plural noun. Fuck. Boy Scouts. God damn it. I can see one of the next ones up in the list. Is it an adjective? 
person in room. There's no one except me, or I guess you on my monitor. I think either one of us counts. Doug. Fuck you. <laughs> Adjective. <sighs> Fuck. We could use fucking. Fucking. Number. Five. Color. Blue. Type of liquid. Type of liquid? Cola. Another number. 74. Another plural noun. Fuck. I know. <laughs> Mormons. <laughs> uh, adjective. God damn it, really? <laughs> um, strong. Another number. One. The loneliest number. <laughs> I think we're almost done. Give me a place. Fort Bliss, Texas. Fort Bliss, Texas. And then the last one says same place. I guess, am I just supposed to put Fort Bliss, Texas again? Yeah. Why didn't it just auto-populate that for me? This is fucking lazy. I can already tell you I'm going to rate the app down for that. You should. I'm disappointed with the amount of adjectives. Dude, I just unlocked an achievement. Cool story, bra. How's bra spelled? I can't see it over the bar on my monitor. Oh, it is spelled properly. Wow. That's how you spell bra? It's one of the spellings. I prefer the B-R-A-U-G-H spelling. The traditional bra. Bra. Yeah. That sounds like it's got a... Back when we were Viking surfers? Exactly. Okay, so I have to click on I rule to continue, which I really appreciate that aspect of it, actually. That's great design. I rule. More porn apps should have that feature. The title of this Mad Lib is Mixing Business and Pleasure in Vegas. You ready for this? Go for it. Headed to Las Vegas for a minging business trip, but still want to check out the sights and chumps? Here are some tips you'll need to shit on your visit to President Donald Trump City. Oh, God. This is actually pretty good already. <laughs> I'm a storyteller, Doug, even when I don't know the story. Uh, after a lengthy day of 37 meetings, head to one of Vegas's many rank buffets. Stuff yourself with fried rapists. <laughs> Pink tacos. Oh, my God. You fucking killed that adjective. And freshly baked Boy Scouts. Then you'll want to hit one of the big casinos like Doug's Palace or the MGM fucking. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's still funny. (laughs) Don't feel badly if you blow $5 at the blue jacket table because, hey, at least you got free shots of cola. Pace yourself. Do not have more than 74 drinks in an hour. And never mix hard Mormons with beer. It will make you feel strong, and you'll never wake up in time for the one important meeting you have again the next day. But the most important thing to remember is this. Have fun. Because what happens in Fort Bliss, Texas stays in Fort Bliss, Texas. You know, whoever invented Mad Libs has had a really good shtick they could ride for like 40 years. We need to find out. We need to come up with something like that. When I was researching this earlier today um, as an idea for the show, I thought that Mad Libs was actually invented by Mad Magazine. I did not know that this actually predated the magazine. Oh, they're completely separate, yeah. For some reason, I thought that style of that game was called ad-libbing, and that Mad turned it into mad-libbing as you know a way to kind of make it their own brand. No, you were right about it. It is called ad-libbing. But Mad Magazine had nothing to do with it. I can see your confusion, though. Yeah. Both still exist. You can still get Mad Magazine at your newsstand, and I'm very happy about that. When's the last time you picked up a new copy? God, when I first moved here, when Jacob was 8 and he's 12 now, so four years ago. Fucking Mad Magazine. Much like television, there is much better content to enjoy, unfortunately. You know what? They did have a really good ad, though, of Liam Neeson on The Shitter, and the movie was called Taken, a 2. 
<laughs> I fucking love the shit out of that. Like, that's right on my alley. <laughs> so it's pretty much exactly the same type of content that we got 30 years ago. You know what? I'm not going to complain about that, though, because that's I love some of those jokes. Like, they're not all great, but some of them are awesome. All right, let's get this wrapped up. Eric, what do we got going on this week? What's up next for us? Well, Doug, this Friday, Rebecca, my co-host on BitFaced, will be coming to Project Challenge and joining us. And I think unlike my other co-host from BitFaced, Tyler, this episode might actually make it to air. So I'm excited to hear that. Well, we know she's not going to be throwing back a fifth of Evan Williams, so she's got that going for her, which is nice. She, she might be sewing a cosplay to play Evan Williams, but she definitely will not be drinking it. All kidding aside, I can't wait to have Bex on Project Challenged. She's awesome. I think we'll have a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Anything else before we close? Come see us at Denver Comic Con, fuckers. PC at DCC? I mean, what the fuck? Why wouldn't you come see us? Probably because there's 150,000 other things you could be doing that weekend, but whatever. We'll be there. Come by. Michael Rosenbaum, Project Challenged. Here at Project Challenge, we love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at projectchallenge.com. Follow us on Twitter at OGChallenge. And if you're feeling generous, drop us a review or rating on iTunes or the Play Store. Huge thanks to all the listeners. And until next time, stay challenged.